Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What do blind people see when they dream? And then we visit one of the last uncontacted tribes in the world. Are the inhabitants of North Sentinel Island actually guarding alien artifacts? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. It's actually still Thanksgiving for me, because I recorded these the day before. For you, future listener, it's no longer Thanksgiving. It's still Thanksgiving for me. And I have right here, because I'm celebrating Thanksgiving, a strawberryta. Strawberryta. It is sparkling margarita in a can. Actually, I've had this before. It's pretty good. And before anyone says that it's a girl drink, I'll have you know it is 8% alcohol. That makes it 16 proof. That's not a girl drink. I also, this isn't a sponsorship or anything. I'm just celebrating Thanksgiving. And then after I record this, I'm going to eat some Thanksgiving dinner, some instant potatoes, and some stovetop stuffing. And I got these little uh, turkey TV. They're not even TV dinners. They're like complete, but it's like eats is all capitalized. So that's my, that's it. I like having a laid-back Thanksgiving. My family's all over the place, so I like just kind of chilling. And I'm chilling with you guys. I'm chilling with you guys, so that's totally cool, too. And I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. And if you're in parts of the world that don't celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope you had a great Thursday. So we're going to go ahead and talk about a couple different things here. First story we're going to talk about is something of particular interest to me, and I think it's something that people have thought about, and that's do blind people... What do, what do blind people dream of? I said on an earlier episode... People who wear glasses all the time, in their dreams, do they wear glasses? I, I, I've wondered about that. Like, in the dream, are you wearing glasses on your face? And if your glasses aren't on your face in your dream, are your dreams blurry? I wear glasses off and on. Like, I, I'm starting to wear them more as I get older, but generally I only wear them if I'm going to be doing a lot of reading. Most of the time, I don't have my glasses on. But I was wondering about how the blind people, how the blind people, what blind people dream. Now, I will say this to start this off. This will probably get a lot of listeners to just drop the show. But I used to hook up with this blind chick a couple years ago, and she kind of explained it to me. So she had this or has this uh, degenerative eye thing. and started when she was like a teenager where her field of vision gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. She may eventually end up being completely blind. Or it may just stop. It's um, I, I used to know the name of it. But it's this thing. So she to- was explaining it to me one night. And she said, this was so bizarre. So she goes, my field of vision is very limited. But my mind is still processing the visual input as if I still had a normal field of vision. So we're over at my apartment. And my, apartment, <laughs> my apartment's messy as is. And there was something on the floor. Like a wrapper or, or I don't know, candy bar, something, not a candy bar, but there was something on the floor. And she said, you see that on the floor? She goes, what I'm seeing right now is she goes, you're just seeing like a little green box sitting on the floor. And then the rest of it is just the the wood paneling, the wood floor. She goes, when I look at it, I see the green box 
sitting on the floor, and I see that green box replicated a hundred times in every direction. Because her brain is saying, since it only has this little field of vision, her brain is assuming that that obstacle is everywhere. She goes, but if I look a a couple feet over where there is no obstacle on the floor, I'll just see wood paneling go on forever and ever. So her brain is trying to, her brain is trying to process the limited information that it has. And so she, that's why she kind of has to focus. That's why she can't drive. That's why she kind of has to focus when she's navigating. She did have, she had a, the walking stick and everything like that. But she, you know, you, you would talk to her. You wouldn't know that she was legally blind, but she had to be very careful. Her And, and because it was degenerative, it wasn't like it happened overnight. Like her brain has learned to cope with this loss of vision. And I will say this too. It was super bizarre. She, she was super nice and incredibly hot. And, she was. She did all this stuff that I don't want to go into because then people could probably identify her better. But she was. She just lived life normally, and did all this stuff. And she was. She's an amazing woman. But anyways, she doesn't listen to podcasts though, so I hold that against her. The point is, is that the brain will try to figure out how to cope with any obstacle that comes in its way, and that's where we get into the idea of dreaming. Because what dream? What scientists? feel dreams are is it is a way to do practice runs especially nightmares nightmares science believes is a way to do practice runs of tragic and traumatic events so when these things really do happen you're prepared for it mentally it's a theory but i think it's actually pretty good theory now of course we have dreams about dragons and nightmares about like stuff that'll never happen but it's still your brain just basically putting itself in a traumatic state to prepare itself for something traumatic happening in the future. It's a safety mechanism, basically. So this is where we're going to get into what do blind people dream about? I know that was a bit of a lead up, but I think it's important because we're going to get into how the, I, what my friend's experience was with her waking vision, you'll see kind of start to play out in the dreams as well. So Danish researchers did a study. It's a very small study. There's only 50 people. They had 11 blind people who were blind from birth. 14 people who became blind after the age of, I think it was one, and then 25 non-blind people, or seeing people, they did, uh, they had to take surveys on their dreams. They had to ask, they asked questions like, uh, did you see, was it in color, did you taste, smell, feel pain, what emotions did you have, what type of themes did the stories have? Seeing people had at least one visual dream. Now this was, I think, a six-week survey. So within the six weeks, uh, seeing people on average had at least one visual dream, usually more, but at least one. The blind from birth had none, no visual dreams, which is to be expected. They've never seen anything. People who became blind, the older they got since they'd become blind, the less likely they would see something because their their brain now is working, being like, oh, there's no visual stimuli coming in, so we don't have to produce visual stimuli in the dreams. What's interesting, So, and also they had... Across the board, across the three groups, they had the same, they were able to identify themes in their dreams. But one of the weirdest things was that when it came for nightmares, blind people had over triple the amount of nightmares of the seen people. 25% of the blind people said they had a nightmare versus 7% of the seen people who said they had a nightmare. And, and the, and when they were looking at that, they said, this is, kind of showing that the brain is going through basically practice runs for reality because the blind people, their nightmares were things that they worry about. 
Things that are major obstacles for people who are blind. Things like getting lost. Falling in manholes was a very common nightmare in this group. I've never once worried about falling in a manhole. I've thought about climbing into them and seeing what was down there, but I've never thought like, oh no, what if I'm walking down the street and I fall in a manhole? That's not a problem that I face. Getting hit by a car was a common one because they have to deal with that. Losing their guide dog. So, I mean, these are real threats that blind people face. And so their brain is doing those practices. So if that happens, if they're out walking and their dog runs away, goes chases a squirrel or whatever, their brain will know how to deal with a situation. That immediate panic will start to be quelled because basically this has already happened to them a hundred times in their sleep. But even though this is the first time it's ever happened in real life. So and then there's this quote. I thought this was an interesting quote from this one study. It said, when a blind man is asked if he dreams, the answer is an immediate yes. But if we ask him if he sees anything in the dream, the answer is always doubtful because he does not know what it is to see. Even if there were images and colors in his brain during the dream, how could he recognize them? There is, therefore, no direct way through the dream reports to evaluate the presence of a visual activation in the dream of congenitally blind subjects. So it's weird. They may actually see in their dream, but they don't. People who are blind from birth could never explain it. They, their dreams could be full of visual stimuli. But it, they would never be able to explain it to somebody. And I, I think this story is interesting. I find it absolutely fascinating. Because that's almost how we try to talk about like cosmic level things. Or there's, uh, there's so much stuff in the world that we don't have the language to explain. Not only to ourselves, but to other people. I find that fascinating. I find everything with the human brain fascinating. Because it's not just like, oh, I'm blind but everything else is normal. Like, their their brain still is processing all that information. And the brain, if, if they're just, if just their eyes are blind, their brain is still able to receive visual stimuli. It's just not getting there. So what's that part of the brain doing? Is it creating its own? How, how would you define a color to someone who's never seen the color red? I find all that stuff fascinating. It's all philosophical arguments at a certain point, but these people are living that philosophical argument. Absolutely fascinating. The next story we're going to cover is an odd one. It's one that I saw pop up a couple times on the Conspiracy Iceberg. I figured there's nothing to it. There's no resources behind it. A lot of people requested it, and I said, I'll look into it. It wasn't something I was too thrilled about. And then I looked into it, and I was like, okay, <laughs> there's something here. So the conspiracy theory is that the Sentinelese, the Sentinelese are guarding alien artifacts. So to get into it, I'm going to have to give you some background to who the Sentinelese are. There is an island off the coast of India, the Andaman Islands, and there's multiple islands there. And there's, there's a lot of tribes there. I think there's like four or five tribes there that are throwbacks. Now, out of most of those tribes... There are trade and contact with the Indian government. And they're like, yeah, we know you guys are like way back. You guys are still using spears and stuff like that. But we want to have regular contact with you. And the people in those islands are like, yeah, okay, you know, that's fine. You know, they're, it's, a, it's beneficial to both sides. One, India gets to contact the people, you know, and then the people on the islands get food and supplies and stuff from India. However, one of the islands, North Sentinel Island, has a tribe on there called the Sentinelese, they are completely, for the most part, uncontacted by the modern world. They know we exist and we know they exist, but there's been no 
formal contact between the two. There's been attempts, but there's been no, like, shaking hands, sending ambassadors, stuff like that. India has said, this island's off limits. They don't want to, to talk to us. They're a fully functioning, basically prehistoric society. They don't want to talk to us. There have been attempts where people have gone there and two of the... So two of the elders from the Sentinelese came and met the sailors. They ended up getting diseases, the Sentinelese, because they, they're, they're a, such a throwback. It's the same thing that when the Europeans came to America. And so the government of India was like, okay, we can't be messing with these people. Like, they're a fully functioning tribe. We're only going to make things worse. And they have tribes like this. Brazil has a couple of tribes like this. South America overall has a couple of tribes like this. Where the government actually says, don't go near them. Let them be. There was a time where some sailors came to the island and they gave them like pigs and some toys and things like that. The Sentinelese came out, killed the pig and buried. They had never seen a pig before. They didn't know what it was. They've only really lived on this island. Killed the pig basically ran people off of spears. There have been times where the Sentinelese will come out and they'll look like they're going to accept the explorers. And then they chase them off of spears. They shoot arrows at them. So they're a very, very like closed off tribe. They don't want to get to know people on the mainland. So this guy just a couple days ago felt that it was, he was in his heart to go preach Christianity to the Sentinelese. You're not supposed to go there. You're it's completely illegal to go there. He hired some fishermen, said, "Let me take me to the Sentinelese Islands. I'll talk about Jesus. They killed him. They just lit him up full of arrows. And India, in response, arrested the fishermen. Because India has said, that they've killed other, there, a couple of years ago, there was a fishing boat that the two fishermen fell asleep in their boat, and it drifted too close to North Sentinel Island. They lit him up. The Sentinelese fired a bunch of arrows, killed him. India said, we consider that island to be... A sovereign state, you invaded their border, they have the right to do that. We're not going to interfere with that island. So India really has their back. Now let's go into a little bit more history of the Sentinelese, and then we're going to get into the conspiracy theory, because this all wraps up together. Sentinelese, they believe they're about 40,000 years old. Not the people on the island, but I mean the civilization, somewhere around there. They believe they traveled from Africa to the island. I don't know how, but somehow they got from Africa to this island. I guess if you have 40,000 years, you can kind of do anything. We don't know how many of them are on the island. Estimates have ranged over time anywhere from 40 to 500. So sometimes there's peaks in the population, sometimes there's valleys. But we don't know because we've never been there. We can fly drones overhead. We can sit on the beach. Not on their beach because they'll kill us. But you can sit in a boat, look at them from a distance. They don't know how to write. They don't even know how to make fire. What we can tell is they wait for lightning to strike and they keep the fire going for as long as they can. Very, very primitive people. There's a little bit of relation between, like I said, there's other tribes on the other islands in that area. There's a little bit of relation of the language between the Sentinelese and one other tribe, but it's such, still such a far gap they can't communicate with each other. So they're basically cut off even from their closest neighbor. We know that they, anything that washes up on the island, they use. We've seen them with metal, but they don't know how to do metal working. So when we see them with metal, we go, oh, they must be getting debris that washes up on the island, making these spearheads, making whatever. <laughs> Dude. And you're thinking, Jason, you're reading a Wikipedia article about North Sentinel Island. I'm bored. No. 
Because this gets really good. Trust me. I just have to set this stuff up because we're going to go back to this stuff. The idea, that's the setup. The idea that the Sentinelese are guarding alien artifacts. Let's take a look at that. Now, of course, the planet's been around for billions of years. If there were ever aliens moving through the so let's assume the aliens are the aliens come from other planets, not interdimensional, things like that, for the sake of this story. Aliens coming through the galaxy and things like that. Over the course of four billion years, it's possible that artifacts and ships, I mean, you have such a long period of time, things are dropped off on our planet. And actually, there have been some scientists that to look for proof of alien life, they're not looking up into the sky because that's such a small window of time. They want to look at the Earth and Mars and Venus for energy signatures that they believe would be coming from alien craft. And they said, well, we know Venus is basically a big old hot swamp, not not a literal swamp like I used to believe. I said this in an earlier episode. When I was a kid, I was taught that Venus had lush rainforest jungles full of dinosaurs. And that's why it was so cloudy. And I believed that until I was about 15. And I would quote that all the time to people. And no one was ever like, you're an idiot. That's not true. And I always wondered why, whenever people talked about looking for life on other planets, I'm like, why are you worried about microbes on Mars? There's dinosaurs on Venus. And I literally would tell people that and they would never question it. But anyway, so there's no jungles on Venus. Any alien craft that crashed on Venus would have been liquefied by now. You know, given the time period of millions of years. But if an alien ship or an alien satellite or alien artifact was crashed or left behind on Mars or Earth, we should be able to detect some sort of energy signature from it. And that's one of the things with the idea of an alien artifact being left on North Sentinel Island. If it was if it was just a piece of metal that had like, you know, alien graffiti on it, that's very interesting, but doesn't really help. It would be like, yeah, okay, an alien ship crashed here. But what people are looking for when we talk about alien artifacts isn't necessarily just a, a hunk of metal. It would be something that would be incontrovertible proof of alien technology. Is it alien technology? A piece of metal is a piece of metal. And you go, oh, an alien must have crashed here. But a, a, a power source or a weapon or something like that is what we would really want to find. Something that would change, not just change our view of the universe and say, yes, there is living stuff out here. Here's a picture of an alien, like, you know, a Betty Boop alien on the side of a ship. Or, you know, like how they used to paint the World War II bombers. That would just be proof there's aliens. We would want some sort of artifact that would give us free energy or teach us the secrets of the universe or something like that. And if those things existed on this planet, we should pick up the energy signature. We haven't on North Sentinel Island. So you're thinking, well, Jason, okay, then I guess you are saying there's no alien artifacts on North Sentinel Island. And I say, don't interrupt me. I'm not done. And I'll, I'll go back to this. A little bit of pushback on detecting for alien signatures. It's possible that there would be alien signatures in our solar system. We just don't have the technology to decipher what it is. We don't know what it is. If they're not using nuclear or chemical or something like that, they may be using some sort of power source or artifact that's undetectable. So uh, so a little bit of pushback on that. I'm not so sold on the idea that if an alien artifact was here, we would detect it. But we're giving it our best shot trying to detect these things. I don't think there's alien technology on North Sentinel Island. I don't believe the Sentinelese are protecting alien technology. This is what I think. And I have, I have some interesting, I don't want to say evidence, but I have some interesting facts to support this. Let's say I was an alien. And I wanted to put something, hide something on Earth that nobody would find. You could say you would could put it on a place 
that was going to be guarded by a bunch of prehistoric people that wouldn't know what it was. So they, you wouldn't have to worry about them dealing with it. However, here's the thing. You wouldn't necessarily know when you put it there that somebody else, a more powerful government, wasn't just going to show up and take it. You could say, I'm going to put it here, and these people around it will never know what it is. But there's a ch- always a chance that somebody else will just go in. If this tribe was located anywhere else in the world at any other point in time, they would have just been taken over, like all the other indigenous people on the planet. It's just because this isn't a, a super strategic area where, you know, all of this stuff started really coming out in like the 1800s where they're like, I'll oh, just kind of leave them alone. But if it was a more strategic area, and if it was in the 1400s when these people were discovered and all this stuff going on, they would have just been taken over. Nowadays, there's enough land and enough resources and stuff like that that they don't have to deal with this island that has nothing natural. So if you were an alien race and you wanted to hide something, yes. Hiding it among an indigenous population who don't know what it is is a good idea. But if they had done this with the Navajo, it was just the Navajo got steamrolled, we would have found this huge reactor. If it landed there accidentally, if an alien didn't purposely put it there, if it landed there accidentally, then the same thing. Eventually, the chances of somebody stumbling across it, and if it landed there accidentally... It could have landed anywhere. It could have landed in New York City. It could have landed in North Sentinel Island. In New York City, they would have known what it was. In North Sentinel Island, they wouldn't have. But then they're not necessarily guarding it. It's just a piece of wreckage that's there, and they're there as well. But what if the alien knew that no one was going to go there? The alien knew for a fact that for hundreds of years, no one was ever going to go there. That group of people were going to be left alone by the government of India. They knew for a fact that was going to happen. You would put it there because you'd have the best of both worlds. You'd have a group of people who would have no idea what it was. They'd probably stay away from it if it was too creepy. And you knew no one would going to discover it. You would actually be able to say, we know eventually they're going to discover it in the year like 2100 or 2055 or whatever. But we're going to place this here now. We know if for the next 500 years, no one's going to mess with it because of all these policies with India and the, the way the people are structured and all that stuff. Now, of course, this, okay... <laughs> We're, we're coming to the end here. Of course, they would have no way of predicting if India was going to go there tomorrow, 400 years ago, or 300 years in the future. Aliens wouldn't know that, but time travelers would. They're not guarding alien artifacts on North Sentinel Island. They're guarding a time machine. Hear me out. And let me back up here. If this conspiracy is true, I'm not saying that it's true, but let's assume that they are guarding something for the sake of the narrative. They're guarding a time machine. Because in the future, they would know for a fact how history would play out. They would know that they, they would try to make contact with the tribe. The tribe wouldn't want it. The government of India would step in and say, nobody contact this tribe. People from the future would know how even... And they would, they would know for a fact in the year 2049, eventually someone does go to the island. And that's when we move the time machine. But for now, we're going to put it here. It's perfect location. Because it is completely isolated. It's an island that you cannot get to. You will be arrested if you go to and you survive. If you die, you die. But it's close enough to the mainland that you can leave the island and get to the mainland. Sri Lanka, India, wherever you want to go. It's possible that the people, the North Sentinelese, were brought from the past by the time travelers, bring them from the past in Africa and put them on the island. That's why the language doesn't match up. They're there to guard the time machine. They said, we're going to go back to Africa. We're going to get this tribe of people. We're going to put them on this island. 
We'll take care of them. We'll give them the metal they need. Maybe make a lightning strike every once in a while to give them fire. We'll watch over them because they're going to protect this time machine that will give us access to come and go as we please where we're completely concealed. We're close enough to the mainland. And you go, okay, Jason, interesting theory. But do you have any proof? I'll say this. I have more proof of that theory than of alien artifacts. And this is why. In 2004, the Indian Ocean earthquake, the Boxing Day earthquake, massive earthquake, huge tsunami, hundreds of thousands of people killed, just devastated the coastlines of that area. North Sentinel Island, the earthquake was so powerful, it lifted it up three to seven feet in some areas, just completely crumpled the ground underneath it. Massive tsunami hit North Sentinel Island, hit the rest of the Andaman Islands. As the world was starting to put everything back together after the tsunami, officials in India said, they're, they're all dead. The, the Sentinelese are all dead. The other tribes on those islands are all dead. That tsunami wiped out all the coastlines in this area. Those islands had no chance. Let's get a helicopter, fly overhead, and confirm what we already know. Helicopter flies overhead. They see a villager come out, shake his spear angrily at the helicopter. Helicopter goes, well, at least there's one of them. None of them died. None of them. As far as we can tell, they just went on as normal. This massive tsunami and earthquake that devastated the lives of millions of people and took the lives of hundreds of thousands of people didn't even scratch a population between 40 and 500 the official line is that they're, because they're such a primitive society, they're used to being attuned to nature and they could tell the animals were acting weird. They could tell the birds were acting weird and all this stuff. They found high ground. The other tribes in the area also found high ground because they didn't suffer massive casualties. So they knew it was coming in, in, a, in a way. They used their nature-based instincts for being so close to the earth they knew something was coming. I have another theory. They were warned from the future get to higher ground. Their God spoke to them. And the time trap, people from the future, not only would they know that was going to happen, they would warn the people on the other islands as well, because it would look weird if only the Sentinelese survived the tsunami and all the other tribes are wiped out. You just go to the other tribes and say, hey, get to high ground. Make sure you're at high ground before such and such time tomorrow. Disguise yourself as a villager, they wouldn't know. Make it as some sort of miracle. Or maybe the leaders of the other tribes are from the future. But for whatever reason, they were warned, whether it was their own natural instinct or a message from somebody who knew what was going to happen. They suffered, as far as we can tell, no casualties. Their society definitely continues. And entire coastlines, like I said, were destroyed. You can watch the YouTube footage of the tsunami and imagine a prehistoric village surviving that. Is it possible that there is a time machine on North Sentinel Island? When I started looking at the theory that the Sentinelese were guarding alien artifacts, like I said, I figured there wasn't anything there. But what I found is far more interesting than what I could have thought of originally. I have no proof of any of this, just facts that can be put together in any way, because that's the, one of the problems with facts. But I will say this. If I had a time machine, I would put it someplace that I knew not only no one would ever go to, but the people there would have no idea what it was. 
and North Sentinel Island is the perfect place in the modern world for a time machine from the future. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm so glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, and I will see you again Monday. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.